Welcome to Data Savvy Educational Leadership, the show where we talk about educational data and all things related to driving a culture of data-informed instruction at your school. Hi, I'm Leah Torres with Education Foundations. And I'm Heather Peltier with Education Foundations. And today is part two in our COVID series. So we are going to be talking more specifically about some of the challenges that were caused by the pandemic and some of the school closures. And we're also going to be making some high-level recommendations for how to address those challenges. So in the last episode, we talked specifically about teachers and coaches. And in this one, we're going to be focusing a lot more on students and instruction and how the instruction impacts students. So the first thing we want to talk about is MTSS and tiers one, two, and three instruction, and really how to look at and evaluate whether your instruction itself is causing gaps. One thing that we're seeing in our MTSS is that because of COVID to some degree and because of the teacher shortage to some degree, it is really difficult for us to determine if a student has a gap in instruction and once you close that gap, the student will be able to be back on grade level. If there are other barriers to the student being behind and that would be tier two or if the student would be in tier two and have significant gaps because of COVID or because of the teacher shortage and now a tier two student is falling into a tier three. Because of these circumstances over the last few years, it's been a lot harder and a lot more students are between on grade level but tier two instruction especially. And so really it's trying to dig in to see what some of the barriers are to students being on grade level and being on what we call this proficiency or grade level bubble where they are very close to grade level, but they're not quite there. That is really a place right now where we've been focusing a lot of attention with our students and with our instruction especially and what to do when we see these gaps occurring. There are two real reasons why that we've seen these gaps and part of it may be digital instruction. Were they quarantining? Did they miss two weeks of school because they were exposed? And we saw a lot of discrepancy in terms of how the digital instruction was rolled out. Some districts did this really well and had a plan. Some districts did this just really quickly and didn't have as much of a plan because everyone was so surprised by this. And so there's a lot of variation. Also, as you said, Leah, in terms of the A Age range. I know my son was very young whenever COVID hit and his he was in daycare at the time. His daycare shut down and they actually tried doing some online lessons for the students and that format did not work whatsoever for the small children. Right. And something else to piggyback off of that, if you already had the infrastructure, if you had a system like Canvas and you already were using it with lessons built in, at least for your older students, they may have had easier time at accessing the lessons if you were building the plane while you were flying it because you didn't have a system or you weren't already using teams there was definite gaps in instruction if your teacher's trying to move everything over to teams at the same time that the students should be learning or if you were school district was scrambling to try to build the infrastructure of everybody being at home compounding that definitely is this teacher shortage that we've seen so even as students have come back from covid they may not have a teacher or they have a brand new teacher because their teacher retired during covid and now 
of the teacher isn't familiar with pedagogy. A lot of PD stopped during COVID for teachers. So as new teachers came in and were hired, they may not have gotten the opportunity for professional development themselves to learn some of these strategies. It has just caused a larger and larger instructional gap in students that schools now are trying to dig in and see where are these gaps? Is it consistent across multiple grade levels? Is it something we can deal with or is it something individual to each student? And what we're seeing is that trend where we're seeing more students at that tier two and tier three MTSS level, whereas in the past, you really would have seen your solid base of those level one kids. And even we're seeing sometimes students who ordinarily or before COVID would not have been in that tier two or tier three level. So we're going to talk now about some recommendations for some of these. And remember, these are high level because a lot of it will really depend on your school, your situation. And as Leah noted, there's a lot of variation in terms of how the students were served during that COVID gap. So one of the things that we've been really recommending is trying to find the standard or skill. It may be a prior year standard or skill that the student did not master. They may have learned it. They may have even learned it long enough for that grade level to master it on an assessment at the end of the year. So a student may have learned place value in third grade and they didn't 100% understand it. They understood it enough to get through an end of year assessment. They knew enough of it to get through. And then because summer they didn't practice it, when it comes up again in the next grade level in fourth grade, they may not remember it. They may confuse it still. It may not have been solid or solidified in their mind. And so now you have a gap that you have to identify. And what it looks like is the student just keeps missing these problems on your math assessment for rounding, but really it's a place value. And so trying to key in on that gap as early as possible for teachers is key. So when you're looking, when the teachers are looking at their data, they might be looking at it and saying, okay, this student is not doing well on this one specific standard or skill. And I see it looks like they're really struggling in rounding, but the root cause of that lies earlier. It's in that prerequisite knowledge. So one of those recommendations is really to have teachers look at their data and say, okay, so here's where the gaps are, but we need to figure out, is it truly a problem with this specific skill or is it a problem with a gap in that prerequisite knowledge? And you can do this in a couple ways. If your school or district has opportunities for vertical articulation, or if you have a learning progression, some states or districts have laid out, you know, for this standard, this is the prerequisite knowledge. And then the teacher can just do a quick formative assessment for that prerequisite knowledge to say, okay, I see you're not doing well in rounding. Let's just back up a minute and I'm going to assess place value or whatever that other prerequisite skill is, get that information, and then that's really going to inform where you target that instruction because you need to make sure that you're getting at the source of the gaps. So formative assessment can be really helpful here, those learning progressions and having that vertical articulation of the standards across grade levels is going to be really key. And when you're talking about the culture of your school and you're talking about using data for the culture of your school, really you'll have, as we said before, newer teachers who don't understand skill 
prerequisites idea. So when you're coaching or when you're working with your PLCs, it's helping them identify this. And it's really identifying, is it a large group of students that you need to talk about and maybe take a step back? Is it a very small number of students? And then taking that data, having a culture where you say, okay, this is what our data says. Next steps to identifying this may be during times of centers or small group time, let's practice these prerequisite skills. If you have pre-teach time, this would be a a good place to pre-teach students. Most schools have different setups, whether they have core instruction time with centers built in, or they actually have time during the day where they can do some sort of review for math. And so it's really keying in and helping the teachers know, okay, I know my students are struggling on this skill, having the culture for them to be able to say, now what? I know this is a problem. How do I remedy that problem and working with them and how they can can set up their classroom to help fill the gaps for the students. And that would be for elementary schools. For middle schools and high schools, I think a good place to, to do this and have your coaches say, okay, on your bell work, this is a place because oftentimes teachers, when they're thinking about bell work, they're thinking, I got to introduce these new standards I'm covering. I'm not necessarily going to go back and review the old standards and cycle back, especially in math. I think math sets itself up to constantly previewing forward and not necessarily looking back at prior progression standards. And really, if you have bell work that is on a standard, it's a review and you're using that to really reinforce and spiral, they can do it independently. And bell work is kind of a nice time where they come in, they sit down, and they should be able to work independently because you're getting everyone set on and the teacher might be at the door or doing attendance. And so it really is a good opportunity to get that review. And at the school level, as an administrator, providing those training and supports for your teachers to really help them in this work, especially if you do have a situation where you've got a lot of new teachers or you have some turnover, these teachers don't have the background knowledge to know how to do this. So really giving them those opportunities for training on continuous improvement model, showing them how to review those tier one standards for mastery on a constant loop, looking at their progress monitoring assessments, what information did you cover first semester that you now just need to reinforce or loop back on? And really making use of if you have an instructional coach that works with the teachers, this is a great place for them to plug in. If you don't have an instructional coach, but you have someone else, whoever it is at your school that is responsible for or monitoring that instructional rigor that's happening in your classrooms, this is a really good chance for them to provide the support for teachers in this area. And training a lot of different districts and different states use continuous improvement model. And that's like a term that's thrown out. When you're thinking about your school culture and the data of your school, using that model with flexibility and understanding that you can look for school-wide trends, possibly. Hey, right now, everybody across the school, regardless of grade level, is struggling with vocabulary and genres. How do we do something school-wide and having that conversation that addresses vocabulary and genres? How do we address that in our bell work? How do we address that in our assessments? How do we address that? How do we enforce that? Is there ways that we can do it in other classes as well? Is it something that maybe science can also help with or social studies? Different SIM models have a school-wide 
wide, regardless of your subject area, you are going to be doing this one piece of ELA and strand, regardless if you're the art teacher. At some point in time, you need to pull in the strand to your conversation this week or to a bell work or to a reading assignment about a painter or something that addresses vocabulary and genres. It could be a very small place where you do it at a grade level, or it can be school-wide. I've seen it done in different situations throughout the years when the schools really need to turn around a grade or a score or they're in a turnaround situation by the state. When you're in those situations, having strong culture is really key to have buy-in by your Spanish teacher, your art teacher, your PE teacher. It has to be a school-wide initiative at times, and that's really helping all the teachers see how this data applies to them. One of the things that we have talked about, and this is probably more, more relevant to independent or private schools, is student turnover as a result of the pandemic. And so for many of these independent schools, you all received students in a wave when the public school shut down. Parents were eager for an opportunity to have their kids still continue that in-person learning. And many of, many of your schools were able to remain open during the pandemic and provide that in-person instruction to kids. Then after the pandemic was over, those students exited and went back to the public school in many cases. So if you're in that situation where you've had a lot of student turnover and that's causing you some problems whenever you're trying to look at your data and you're looking at your instructional trends over time and you've really seen a big shift in your student cohort, we have a couple recommendations for you. So first is when you're looking at the individual student level, map that prior data back for the students who were with you then and are still with you. So this that steady cohort of students that were at your school prior to COVID, during COVID, after COVID, they're still there. Those you can look at the data longitudinally, but it's gonna be important to drill down to those specific ones. For higher level, when you're looking then at your data, just in terms of as an administrator or a coach or a, an educational leader to monitor instruction, you're gonna to want to look at those higher level trends then. So don't drill down as much to the individual student level because you know that cohort has shifted. So look at things like growth by class, by teacher, by grade level. If you're a smaller school, you may only have one teacher per grade level. So in that case, we recommend looking vertically. So, all right, I see how students are growing in the kindergarten class. How are they growing in the first grade class? How are they growing in the second grade class? That's going to give you a sense of, is the instruction on track in all of these areas? Or is there something that's really standing out as a red flag or maybe an area that needs to be shored up instructionally? So those are kind of two higher level recommendations that we have if the student turnover applies specifically to your school in terms of looking at your data. So one thing that we have also as a high level recommendation is because we've had one-to-one -one devices and because many districts have purchased different systems that help teachers load content into an indiv individualized learning path for students, that is a way that teachers can leverage filling the gaps if it is especially a school-wide trend or if there's a very few number of students or it just doesn't seem like there's enough time in the day to close all the gaps that need to be closed when you're doing a rotation. So one thing that I've seen is, especially in science, because we do have a science assessment in Florida for fifth grade, and oftentimes the students will have gaps 
perhaps in third and fourth grade is that a coach or a teacher have been assigning lessons in an LIS system very specific to that strand. So with one-to-one -one devices, different districts have bought different programs that help students access their content through the computer. And this was very popular during COVID when students were quarantining. Moving forward, when there are a pocket of students who maybe need help in a math skill or strand or a science skill or strand or an ELA skill or strand, a coach or a teacher has been able to assign a student a very specific short lesson that helps them master that one skill or standard. A coach or a teacher may develop a review that is all computer-based that can be assigned to the student and the student is able to work through independently and fill the very individualized gaps that the student has as opposed to sitting through these review sessions where they may already know 80% of the topics and the one topic that they do not know is the one that isn't covered as strongly or not as in-depth and so it still may not be 100% solid in the student's mind, or it may be a misconception that they still have that wasn't addressed in the instruction. And this can be something that is especially useful for the older students. It's a very individualized path that a student can do. We've also seen districts use CON to help with SAT prep because it's can be linked to the student's SAT and can fill the very specific gaps that a student has on their SAT. So there are different technologies and different systems in place. It's about the school thinking about how to leverage it, especially if your school's already one-to-one. -one. Teachers oftentimes may struggle if they are not familiar with the technology. So sometimes it takes a coach coming in and helping them with placing all of their assignments into a system for review. Personally, I've seen it done in math and science very effectively, different teachers using it and filling in the gaps. And I thought that's going to be a much more effective than one teacher trying to teach a review over eight or nine standards. So when we talk about the COVID pandemic and some of those impacts on students specifically and how to move those students back down from those tier two or tier three MTSS levels back into tier one, where the core instruction is really meeting their needs. Our high-level recommendations are, first and foremost, support, coach, and train your teachers. Make sure that the new teachers have the support systems in place and help them, partner with them in understanding how to do that continuous improvement and some of the recommendations that we've talked about here in terms of things like backwards mapping the standards, looking closely at those prerequisite skills, and using formative assessment strategically to identify where those gaps are. Don't just take your benchmark data at face value if it tells you they're missing or if it tells you they're doing poorly in one skill, you may need to dig a little bit deeper than that. So helping and supporting your teachers in having those, having that understanding of the benefits of really looking at the standards vertically and identifying those gaps in that prerequisite knowledge is going to be key. If these are things that you're working with with your school, if you're thinking about how you can use your data strategically, if you're looking for ways to support your teachers in identifying that targeted formative assessment to help figure out where those gaps are in prerequisite knowledge, 
if you could benefit from help in planning how to leverage your school's technology to close those gaps for your students, or if you need help understanding the continuous improvement model and leading that through your school and embedding continuous improvement within your school's culture, then we're here to help. This is our area of expertise, and this is where we can support you. We offer personalized training, coaching, and supports for leaders at the school and district level. And what's really unique about our services is because we've been in so many different roles and we've worked with so many different schools, districts, and states, our skills are really flexible to help in different situations. So we'd love to be there to support you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today. 